Coming up next on the Soundwriter Show, Bosch, you know, those guys who make the spark plugs. Now they want to make space thrusters to write you when you're going into a low side. Also, we've got a huge calendar packed full of events this month. We're going to be talking about new gear that's on the market, helmets, books, you name it. Uh, we're going to be contemplating the possibility for potato fuel. And we've got a bonus tip at the end of the show. Stick around. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by Skagit Power Sports. Check out the North Sound's largest selection of bikes from names like Yamaha, Kawasaki, KTM, and Suzuki. Located just off I-5 in Burlington, Skagit Power Sports also features a large selection of riding gear, apparel, and an experienced staff to help you along the way. Visit Skagit Power Sports today. Hi, this is Rich from Rich's Custom Motorcycle Seats, and welcome to the Soundwriter Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Soundwriter Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. Motorcycle riders across the Pacific Northwest and around the world. I'm Derek Roberts, your co-host, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Tom Marin, publisher, producer of SoundRider.com. And this course is the June episode of the Sound Rider Show, so it's very fitting that we're here today. Yes, it would be a good idea if we were here for the June show to do the June show. That <laughs> makes sense to me. So why don't we dive right on into it? Because June, like this is the month, right? This is where you really got to gotta get out and ride now. There's no more excuses. There's no like, hey, it's Mother's Day No or more whatever. long underwear. That's right. Well, ideally, no more long underwear. Maybe when you're camping, you might want to throw a pair on at night. But uh, <laughs> walking around during the day, you should be good without it. But you've been doing a ton of work. You got five bikes. And I know uh, we were uh, doing some work the other day here. Yeah, and you our, were... our buddy Cody was here. <laughs> Cody. Cody. That's his name, Cody. I got you. So how does that work? He was here. And uh, so Cody pulled all the bikes out with me. And uh, one by one, we brought them back to life and had them all firing up. Which is <clears> great, because a few haven't ran in, uh, in a while, right? Uh, two of them hadn't been flipped on for two years right i think two and a half years for one of them and then uh, everybody slept through the winter like a little bears <laughs> and uh one by one uh lit them up cleaned them up um we had to replace a uh, relay on the turn signals for one of the dual sport bikes which meant removing all the tupperware which doesn't sound like something you'd have to do on a dual sport bike, but yes, you have to but remove the top. But it's necessary, yeah, sure, yeah. Well, and I know uh, a few of those, you said you know, haven't ran for a couple of years, but uh, when you went to start them up, you got them to fire up pretty quick, right? Yeah, it was yeah. amazing. Uh, the one with the Kickstarter fired on about the eighth kick. Not bad. The uh, the little one with the carburetor lit right up, and that one hadn't been on for two years. So let's talk about some secrets for that, because you've got some methods that... Uh, I do. Yeah, what are some of the tips and tricks, maybe, to if you do have a bike in storage longer term, or even for just a few months with a carburetor, right? You always store it with a carburetor empty. Right. So when you get ready to put it away for the last... When you're done with your last ride... Uh, you flip the carburetor, you p flip the petcock over to off, right? and you run it until it doesn't run anymore. So just hit that fuel switch and just let it idle right on out. And get all that fuel out of there. Right. Let it and then when you, uh, when you release all the new fuel in, uh, it'll be, it's awesome when it starts right up. Yeah. I love it. Now, do you find any difference between uh, the new ethanol gas and the old gas when that comes to that? Does it have anything to do with sort of well, the water vapor? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, so what you want to do, we can have this conversation again in November. Sure. <laughs> uh, but when you store the bike, you're going to put some fuel stabilizer in there because otherwise that ethanol corn water is going to get kind of corny in there. Right. You don't want to have that. Yeah, no moisture. But what else uh, were you doing? I mean, some basic stuff, right? Like, yeah, you got to uh, clean up the chains and, yeah. and check them, make sure they're the right length. You know, um, all these bikes now that have center stands on them. Yeah. You know, if you like, uh, if you don't read your owner's manual, you don't realize that in most cases, uh, all these bikes with chains with center stands, you don't check 
the chain slack on the center stand. You have to have the bike down so the weight of the bike is on the suspension and you're stretching that, you're, you're pushing on that swing arm and that chain is at the proper length that it'll be when you're riding. I guess that makes sense because it'll sort of widen your wheelbase a little bit, right? Yeah. Once it goes down to the swing arm there. So yeah, I mean, I can make my chain slap the swing arm when the bike's up on the right. center stand. Yeah. That's not what you want to do because you really wear out a chain and a sprocket fast because it'll be too tight by the time you set it down. So that's something to keep in mind, though, too, on maybe a longer touring trip, right? Because a lot of people will put up on the center stand to mm-hmm. tighten the chain, but you want to be keep an eye on that because that might not be – well, you want to take that into consideration. I guess, at least when you're doing the tightening. Yeah, make sure you have it on the side stand. Yeah. And um, it doesn't matter if you've got all your luggage on board and it's a little heavier than normal. Go ahead and adjust it for that because right. that's what you're going to be riding at the whole time. So, um, but uh, Cody turned me on to this really cool uh product that i i guess i've seen it in the stores but i never bought it before it's by a company called maxima and it's called sc1 it's a silicon spray okay and you can spray it pretty much on anything i wouldn't put this on the brakes but well uh, that's a good suggestion but or, uh you can spray it on your on your painted body work you can spray it on your um vinyl body work right. a lot of bikes have that now um, you could spray it on like the, you know, the back of the rear view mirrors is kind of that black vinyl. Sure. And so what you do is first you, you clean the bike up and then you go around it with this can of this SC1. Okay. And, uh, man, the bike looks sharp. Yeah. It gets shiny. A shiny. Uh, once you spray it on and let it set for a minute or two, um, while you're waiting, you could hand wax the paint on the bike. And then uh, go back around and take the SC1 off and then take the hand wax off after that. So I don't think that's something that a lot of people do is wax their bike, right? How often should you do that? You should probably wax it every year just like a car. think so. Every year, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. At least every year. Um, And, you know, I've used a lot of cleaning and wax products. And I found um, that 3M makes the best stuff. Okay. No doubt about it. So uh, 3M makes a really super... I think they call it a car wax, but you can use it on your motorcycle paint. Nice. Uh, unless you got some of those matte finish, cool looking paints, I don't think you can put that on there. Right, one of those Ducati naked bikes or something like that. Huh? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, we're seeing that more and more now. Yeah, and definitely. Now we're seeing the helmets coming, coming with it. Yeah, the matte black, sure. No, no, but like a matte blue. Really, I haven't seen yeah. a matte blue helmet yet. Yeah, Interesting. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, I'm down with that. So, uh, did all that stuff, got the tires all where they were, you know, aired up to the right pressures. It's interesting, during the winter, um, I'll only lose like six or eight pounds out of the rear tire on one of my bikes, sure. but the front tire, I lost all the air out of it. So Interesting. Uh, it's a tubeless, and I, uh, I've already taken it back in the shop once before to have it resealed, but uh, something's going on with that tire. I don't yeah. know what it is. Might be time for a replacement, you think, huh? Uh, yeah. Maybe it's time to shoot some slime in and forget about it. There until, we go. <laughs> it wears down. Or uh, maybe instead you just uh, cash that thing in and get a new motorcycle, huh? I, I don't need one. All right. But, but you do. Who you got? <laughs> Now, I got nothing against uh, my motorcycle, of course, but you know, the whole small bike thing, and I do ride a small bike, 350cc, uh, has been building, it seems, a lot of steam over the last couple of years, and now it's starting to become more and more of a topic of discussion. Uh, yeah. Well, your bike probably builds a lot of steam on its own because it's so covered in filth. Well, it's a steam engine. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you got a turbo steam engine, That's don't right, you? yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, I saw this article in uh, Ride Apart. I kind of like Ride Apart. They, they they have some pretty good editorial online. Yeah, it's I think free. so, for sure. Um, and they had uh, an article about five small bikes you'd be proud to own. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, what could that be? And the first picture they showed was a Van Van. Yes. Now, they didn't talk about the Van Van, but it, it caught my eye because I was like, no way. Yeah, that's the the 200cc Suzuki Van Van. But I noticed in this article the pictures didn't seem to correlate. Yeah, the yeah. the the formatting on the article something was up. a little was a little wonky there. But well, uh, you can you know you can look at the pictures and you can 
you should be able to put to them identify, together. Yeah, but the Van Van aside, the other five I thought were pretty good selections. I did too. Yeah. I'd, I'd be proud to own a WR250R for sure. If anybody wants to buy my uh, NX250 and give me some money, then I'll go and buy a WR250R. Yeah. Or any straight-up trades. I'm sure you'd entertain that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would. I sure would. Um, I don't know. Uh, well, okay, so DRZ400SM. Yeah. Would you be proud to own one of those? I would go. I'd drop the SM. I don't need the Supermoto. The regular DRZ400, I'd be proud to own that. Would you own the, the DRZ400SD? The Super Dotard? <laughs> I don't think that exists yet. Is that a uh, Sound Rider edition? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's just one we're working on with Suzuki right now. Right. And, and uh, North Korea, where yeah. all three of us are involved in that one. Uh, the, what, what, well, hold on a second, though, because it sounds like you're kind of brushing aside the DRZ400. Are you not a fan of that? I'm not. Yeah. Um, the tank size is not big enough. Okay. You know, it's like a two-and-a-half-gallon tank. But and you it gets about of, 40 miles to the gallon. Plenty of aftermarket tanks for that, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I don't like that. Okay, you know? fair enough. I, I, want a, I want a range of 150 or so on the road. Yeah, I mean, you're probably looking at, in all honesty, probably about 110 miles on that without with the stock tank or so. Yeah, so now yeah. you're carrying around a liter of fuel and crossing your fingers. Yeah, if I were to buy one, I'd put the extended range tank on it for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how about the CV500X? Yeah, I think that's a great suggestion. I think it's a good suggestion. That bike has a lot of versatility to it. It'll never be really good at one thing. It's more of a lightweight spork. Right. But, um, you know, you can upgrade the tires on it. Um, and then there's those, uh, what are they called? The the Rally Raid yeah. packages that you can use with them. Um, so, I don't know. Um, the RC390, that's kind of like having a little... Track weed whacker. Yeah, I think I would uh, personally here. I think I'd go for the uh, the Ninja Four Hundred that they released this year. Really? But, uh, don't you think the KTM would have better performance? I don't know. I, I don't know myself. I haven't looked up the specs. Yeah, so. I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of the uh, the lightweight Ninjas though. So I think that would be my sport bike choice there. And then for uh, a classic model, they came up with the uh, the Yamaha SR Four Hundred. Another great suggestion. I think. I yeah. think that's a really cool bike. That's a great looking bike. Yeah. But again, not the Van Van. The Van Van did not make the no. list. No, yeah. <laughs> Van Van got in there with a photo, and that was all. You know, I also this and not uh, related to this article, but I saw an article in Bloomberg something about uh, five motorcycles for every type of rider, uh, or was it? It wasn't five, but motorcycles for every type of rider, and they didn't mention any Japanese OEMs in the article. Oh, I saw, I saw that go by. Yeah, yeah they had a, like had a Ural in there and a Husqvarna and uh, the BMW <laughs> R9T. A Ural. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, none of the Japanese OEMs, which I thought seemed like a bit of an oversight. There's also a Moto Guzzi in there. I mean, they're all nice bikes. Maybe they were bikes, trying but... to focus on one continent. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, with Bloomberg, I think they were probably trying to play the luxury angle a little bit, and maybe the uh, Japanese OEMs didn't fall into that. But I still thought at least a nod to one of them, you know, maybe an Africa Twin or something. So so somebody has finally said a Ural is a luxury motorcycle. Well, I mean, I think that's the implication, at least at that price point, you would hope, right? It'd be a luxury for my dog. Yeah, well, it'd be a luxury. Put a nice little bed in there. Yeah. Haul them around in a sidecar. It'd be a luxury to shell out fifteen or sixteen grand to go sixty miles an hour. I think. Shift, I don't have a dog, so maybe if you see me going down the street with a cat in my urine, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd see you going down the street chasing after your cat in the urine because I don't think they'd. Uh, I don't think she'd last long in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, have you ever have you ever ridden a urine? I have. Yeah. What did uh, I, a few years ago they made some major upgrades, uh, kind of like uh, Royal Enfield has been doing the last few years. I don't know. I haven't ridden them since then. Okay. I, I, I I wrote them after the major upgrades that they did in two thousand two thousand one. Oh, okay. I think and then we, they did do some more upgrades like twenty thirteen. or Yeah, something. twelve or something like that. I yeah. think. But uh, you know, I love the styling. I just wish you could get that thing up to seventy five miles an hour on the highway, and then I'd really be. Really be interested in a, in a year-round ship like that, I think. Yeah. Well, you just park it next to your Royal Enfield. Right. <laughs> so uh, one of the things about the um, getting all these bikes fired up again was that a couple of them were worthy of being rolled over to um, uh, collectors. 
plates. Oh, so can you save a little money on that? Well, that's what I thought. Right. But you know when they when they installed that uh, that high taxation in Seattle last year, I cut back on which bikes I would uh, register. Yeah, and then I was going to kind of do a merry-go-round thing with them and do you know these two this year and then those two next year sure. and that sort of thing. So I had uh, one of my 1988 models was out of registration because I let it lapse. Right. Well, it's worthy of a collector plate this year, so I went over to get the collector plate, and they said, well, give us $200. And I'm like, what? Yeah. That's not, that's not how much a collector plate is. They said, the only way you can get a collector plate is to have the bike currently registered. And then he says, and you know all the rules about riding with a collector plate, right? And maybe you do or you don't. But with a collector plate, you can't, like, use it for commuting. Right. You have to be going to an event or at an event or something, to, you know, a, a vintage-type event. Yeah. So uh, I said, oh, yeah, I know all the rules. I said, so what you're telling me is I'm going to pay you for a full registration right now, and I'm going to have to abide by those rules for the first year, even though I paid for a full registration. Right. He says, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, tax man. dollars at work there, yeah. So uh, that was wacky. Well, these costs are outrageous here, in, uh, at least in, in the Seattle area. I know my DR350 just came up. It was 155 bucks. Oh, mine was uh, 200 well, How did you get 155 and I got 200 on the 88? Oh, I think it's based on the value, right? Uh, no, but they do have a weight, uh, a way they base them on weight. Okay. Well, if yours was based on value, you'd have paid like six bucks. No, they they would have paid me money. <laughs> yeah. That's why I have the bike. I'm trying to get a rebate from the city here. No, but I feel like 155 dollars or 200 dollars for a motorcycle is it's like yeah, it used to be 80. That's really though. That's just outrageous. It's crazy. It? Yeah, and shouldn't we be shouldn't we be trying to encourage people to ride motorcycles? Isn't that better for traffic and the environment? Um, they don't seem to think that way in Seattle. Yeah, I don't think they, they would rather you invest in the monorail. Yeah, the, the, not the, we already did that three times. No, they want you to invest in the light rail, the light rail, the tunnel, all these other uh, yeah. pie in the sky projects. But I'm, I was wondering too, uh, and we were kind of speculating what some of the other registration costs were in other states in the Pacific Northwest. I did sort of a cursory search, and it seems like Idaho is probably the lowest between Idaho, Oregon, and uh, Washington. Mm. No word on uh, BC, but I, I couldn't get the final numbers yet. That's something I'm, I'm going to look into this month and see kind of a comparison there. Okay. you report back on yeah. that next month. I might, I might re be reporting from Idaho. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, okay, have you learned how to make fuel out of potatoes yet? Uh, I'm working on that. I'm Because they can do it with corn, so I'm thinking they can make potato fuel. I'm very close, yeah. <laughs> mm, tater tots, tater fuel. Well, I just I wring the water out, and then I use that in my steam engine. So that's kind of <laughs> kind of the work there. But, uh, you know, that's always one of those things that uh, I we should be keeping an eye on. And one of those things that maybe we let go a little too early or easily. I don't know what sort of the AMA's stance is on motorcycle registration fees. Do they have any uh, anything that you're aware of? Uh, I've never seen them come in and fight one. But yeah. I, I'm sure they must have if it was... You know, all this stuff gets voted in by the taxpayers, and, and it doesn't matter if you're a motorcycle or a car. Yeah, you kind of get so. uh, rolled over, that's for sure. But still, Because my know. car is like 300 a year. I know. It's outrageous. It's crazy. Absolutely outrageous. So, all right. Hey, uh, let's take a little break, and then when we come back, we got some news bites. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by... Cascade Motorcycle Safety. Featuring two ranges located in Anacortes and Bellingham, Cascade Motorcycle Safety offers beginner and intermediate rider courses and is certified to test riders for their motorcycle endorsement. For more information, visit their website at Cascade Motorcycle Safety today. Hi, my name is Butch. I ride a 2013 uh, R1200R Roadster BMW, and my favorite ride is over Highway 20 and into Republic for their uh, annual rally. Hi, this is Eric from Bell Helmets, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show.
back in studio on the Sound Rider Show. We're going to dive into the news bite section here. And you know what? There's been some interesting stuff happening here in the Pacific Northwest, don't you think, this month, Tom? Yeah, yeah. here and, and all over the world. Yeah, that's all true. All over the planet. Some really interesting developments coming up, including one uh, right here close to home. So uh, I just want to say thank you to Tacoma Motorsports, who came back on as a sponsor with us this month. That's a news bite. Yeah, that's great. And uh, we've added a pretty large selection of used bikes and hot deal bikes. They've got a lot going on down there. And you know what? They've been doing a great job for a lot of years down there. So, uh, you know, it's definitely worth checking out their selection. And, of course, the used bikes always turning over down there and they uh they've got some really cool stuff in inventory right now and that's not of course not the only dealer that we have all their bikes on Soundrider. so you can peruse a whole bunch of used motorcycles and a whole bunch of hot deal bikes over at soundrider.com anytime you want yeah and you know this is really a good time of year too man i've seen some some screaming discounts out there on some some really good motorcycles um, let's see. So we were talking a couple months ago about the Backfire Moto, and it got me thinking, um, people need a fresh article about where to go to get their moto fix yeah. for these bike nights. Absolutely. Because if you don't live in Seattle, you may not want to make the trip. So uh, I did a little bit of homework. I'm digging around and uh, came up with, uh, initially I came up with five bike nights that go around on yeah. around in the Pacific Northwest. I know there must be more. And so uh, the article's up on Soundwriter, and there's a Facebook post. If you have a bike night that you want to add to that, all you got to do is just respond on the Facebook post and just tell us, uh, you know, when it is, where it is, what time it is, and if you got a link to it, and we'll add it like we did with the Corvallis bike night. Right. We didn't know about that one, and then we found a Facebook page, so. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of interest, too, from our social media following as well. A lot of people were really, I think, looking out uh, for places to get out and ride. And that's what a, what a great way to uh, to do that. You go to some of these bike nights. If uh, you're in here in Seattle or around uh, the Pacific Northwest, there's a ton going on. Yeah. So did you see that big box when you came in the door here from RevZilla? Yeah. Yeah, that's my box of of uh, Bosch Space Thrusters. Well, now we got to get into this. So what... Uh, <laughs> What are your Bosch Space Thrusters? So there, there's quite a bit of stuff going on about Bosch announcing that they are going to be making some thrusters right. that will right your bike if you get too low. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I saw the article you sent to me here, and I thought this was, this was pretty interesting here. So the idea is, like, if you're coming around a turn and there's some loose gravel or sand and you start to low side, that these thrusters are going to even you out, huh? Like you're on a rocket or something, right. you know? Like, how's it gonna know? How's it gonna know to get the right angle every time? I mean, I'm sure there's some technology that I'm not aware of, and but it's, it sounds like nanny stuff again. Yeah, you know? I, I don't know how you uh, you account for the friction, right? Because if you lose it in gravel versus sand versus water or ice, like wouldn't riding the uh, riding the bike require a different amount of uh, thrust? Yeah, and like yeah. if you're moving at say say you're going around a corner on the track at say you know eighty miles an hour, right? Can it really respond that quickly? I I, I want to see some of the test bikes right now. I think they're probably pretty scratched. Yeah, up. I think uh, I think this might be more than a few years away to see if we uh, if we even see that. But uh, you know, it's it's very interesting when you start thinking about what motorcycling is going to look like in twenty or thirty years. As they continue to develop this stuff, like the heads-up displays, and now you got rocket thrusters and airbags and uh, self-balancing. Like, what's the industry? I mean, what's it going to look like in another two or three decades? Oh, I think what they're going to have, and within like two or three decades, is uh, this bike where when you go around the corner, you get a little too low. Yeah, you get shot to Mars. Right. <laughs> and then you come back again. It puts you on the hyperloop. I'll. Uh... <laughs> yeah. What is it? Uh, SpaceX, right? And yeah, the El- Elon, Elon Musk. That's right. So they send you straight to Mars there. But uh, pretty crazy, man, just to think about uh, that someone's out there working on something like this. I don't uh, I don't think I'd be on the first uh, batch of test users. But, hey, more power to you if you are. Well, maybe they just use those robot bikes that Yamaha has, right. the self-driving ones. <laughs> I think that's probably a good place to start. So um, let's see. Back in May, after the last show, uh, they did open up State Route 20. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people 
Well, let's see. There were 17 motorcycles sitting at the gate when they opened it up that morning. That's great. So uh, that's cool. And I know people were riding it on the weekend, too. They opened it up on a Friday, but it, it got ridden all weekend, too. Uh, and it was beautiful, the pictures I saw coming back. Because yeah. up in Washington Pass, there was still snow everywhere. And uh, and up in the Liberty, what do they call that? The Liberty Bell? I don't know. Right. Um, that's all, all beautiful at this time of year. And... Um, for the road trip, we were hoping to cross over Mackenzie Pass, but uh, because of the forest fire last year that was down there, and they did have a fairly rugged winter, uh, it's not going to be open until, they say, the earliest will be its normal opening date of the third Monday in June. Uh, but what I did find out is uh, I have Snoqualmie Pass as a flag text on my phone. Sure. So if there's ever a closure up there, I get a text right away. And uh, you can do that, too, with Mackenzie Pass. And I'm going to suspect you can do it with some of the other passes, uh, Chinook Pass, Cayuse Pass, White Pass. A oh, White Pass is open. Um but anyways, if, if you're interested in, in seeing these things, you can either just keep watching our news feed, because I'm going to subscribe to them all, um, or you can go ahead and subscribe to ones that mean a lot to you. Well, it's pretty awesome, though, that uh, these roads are starting to open up. I mean, that's a good sign that the season's officially here. And SR20, man, really just one of the great, no matter what bike type of bike you ride, right? Like, that's one of the roads that uh, if you're coming to Washington, if you don't live here, you really got to make, make an effort to get out there and ride it. Yeah. You know, one of the things that holds back SR242 from getting open every year yeah. is uh, the fact that it's built across a young lava bed. And so people don't know this, but lava actually retains a 15-degree colder ground temperature. Really? So, um, you know, it may be – you may – dig a hole in the ground out here in Washington State somewhere and get, you know, a, a 35-degree dirt. But if you do that same thing down there, you're going to have like 20-degree dirt. It's all frozen. Interesting. Still. Well, I'll tell that to the good people in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> not planning on riding in Hawaii anytime no, soon. No, it's probably not a good idea, unless you got one of those space thrusters to get you out of any trouble. But you know, I've ridden all around there on a motorcycle. Yeah, all the islands? Or, um... uh, I've done Hawaii, I've done Kauai, and I've done Oahu. Nice. And I, I assume... have not done... Uh... Maui. And I assume you rent motorcycle when you go out there? I do. Yeah. Any uh, particular ride that you that you pick up? I, I would imagine that Harleys are probably the easiest to rent, right? So I got a Harley in uh, Kauai. Okay. And uh, I had to apologize for scraping the pipe, and the guy said, no problem, everybody does it. All right. <laughs> so that was good. Um, Bruce loaned me a bike in Hawaii. Right, because Bruce on is Oahu. There. Yeah. Yeah, he loaned me uh, a Kawasaki... What is it? Uh, was it a 250? Okay. Supermoto. Cool. Supermotar. Nice. As opposed to Supertotar. Right. <laughs> uh, and I found a f cool little road up on the east side of Oahu that goes up into the canyons. It's kind of a loop road. So I went and rode that and buzzed around. I buzzed around a lot of the island. I said, matter of fact, I went the whole way around the island. On yeah. The uh, and then the other one I did was uh, I rented an FC6. On the Big Island. Nice. And went and did all the, uh, kind of the Super 8 ride. Yeah. So that was fun. That's a great, uh, I think that's a great bike for uh, doing a loop around the island like well, that. Well, yeah, and it was nice because I owned an FC6 at the time, so the handling huh. and all was just what I knew yeah, all along. You could really lean into it. That's awesome. Anyways, um, we got an update here. We talked about the Shape of Speed exhibit on the last show. And uh, you did some homework because yeah. we were going to write an arts article. And you, you actually did write an article, and then the publisher rejected it because right. there was only two motorcycles. Only two motorcycles, yeah. Well, this is the Shape of Speed exhibit down at the Portland Art Museum. And uh, it was being billed as a uh, collection of uh, motorcycles and cars. Um, turns out, though, two motorcycles and I think 16 or 17 cars um, – so still, you know, if you're if you're a gearhead, I yeah. think definitely worth checking out. But if you're just a, a motorcycle guy, it's probably not um, going to be your focus. Yeah, you're going to get yeah. two motorcycles for the price of the admission, whatever that is. That's right. But I think they do. In, uh, I think they do have an event coming up this month um, that is motorcycle focused. That's going to be held outside of the museum. So if you're looking for something to do, you can you can take a look and see where that's going on. Okay. We had uh, two people of note pass away in May. 
Um, actually, this one was in April after we recorded the show. Uh, Carmen Tom, who right. had a long history of doing motorcycle stuff here in Seattle, uh, owned a number of shops, uh, owned a shop on Empire Way before they called it Martin Luther King Way. Right. Uh, he owned don- downtown Harley-Davidson, which he eventually passed over to his son. Um, he was a, a very active member in the Jolly Rogers Motorcycle Club. Uh, he owned a piece of property that they used to do their hill climbs on down uh, around the Kent area, I believe it was. And uh, everybody loved him. He was a great man. And uh, we're all going to miss him. Yeah, you know, it's always uh, it's always sad when we lose sort of an ambassador here in the Pacific Northwest. But I will say that uh, the Facebook post got a ton, a ton of love. Just it, it, highlighting, I think, just how respected Carmen was here. So, uh, you know, thoughts and prayers with uh, friends and families of uh, Carmen's. Yep. Uh, another uh, person we lost was uh, Janice Logan, who was a very active member in the Oregon Motorcycle Road Racing Association. And uh, she had operated the uh, Pacific Super Sport Riders Track Day School for quite a long time. And uh, so that was another tough one to lose. Uh, But now back on to happier news. Yeah. Um, So Giant Loop got an award. This is their fifth time they've been awarded this. I think it was Power Sports Business. Yeah, I think that was what it was. I don't have it in front of me. But um, uh, for their pannier mount that they came up with which is a a pretty cool little system. And uh, the nice thing about it is it works together with other luggage. It's not proprietary to just Giant Loop. And what I've noticed is um, sometimes you can get the pannier mount, but you can't get the Giant Loop bag. So then you go and you order that from Happy Trails or something like that, you know, a comparable and vice versa. So all good stuff. Um, Still got to get the subframe custom for your bike from somewhere mine would have to come from england and it would cost me about a thousand dollars there you go and that'll only raise uh, your tab renewal fee by 10 yeah. percent. so yeah credit though to giant loop you know as the industry has changed you know they were what sort of the forefront of this aftermarket dual sport uh gear and they continue to innovate you know it's really cool to see them uh still banging away down there and coming up with new and exciting stuff yep um let's see okay uh let's see Icon Motorsports, notorious for putting out crazy hooligan videos right. that are like five or ten minutes long. Yeah. And so they have a new one with a uh, Indian Scout and a, what is it, Harley Sportster? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, and they're down on uh, some uh, dry mud bed, desert. Well, that's where I would take my Indian. With lots of hooligan stuff yeah. going on, so. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this is, uh, I think, more. Do you think this is more of an effort of the big cruiser brands trying to cross over as opposed to Icon trying to reach that market? Well, maybe it's Icon trying to reach them uh, doing crazy stuff, like the way they reach the sport bike guys and the yeah. scrambler guys. And- well, you know, we've seen, though, and we've talked about it before, but like um, more and more at like the X Games and that kind of stuff, like Harley is trying to make sort of a presence there. Mm-hmm. Um, not with their motorcycles and the actual activities, but as like, hey, this is what people are riding after they get off of the the motocross track. Yeah, so. but but is is this how people are riding? Because this stuff's crazy hooligan stuff. Yeah, I I don't know that. I don't have the answer to. But uh, I'll keep a lookout though in the future. All righty. Um, that pretty much. Yeah. Is I what, think what, by the way, um, we're cutting this show a little early this month, so. That's only really like half the news bites right. for, for May uh, that we ha- that we had in May. Uh, so you can follow the feed online. Just go to soundwriter.com, click on news bites, and uh, stuff appears there as it happens. Uh, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to go through the calendar. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by... The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, the Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com slash rally. Hey, this is Gary LaPlante from Dirt First, motorcycle rider training. 
And I must say, I really am enjoying the roads that you guys have here in Oregon between Portland and Hood River and around the event site at the Sound Rider Rally. Hi, this is Brian Bosworth from Destination Highways, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. In studio on the Soundwriter Show, and man, June is jam-packed with calendar items. If you are looking for an excuse to ride here in the Pacific Northwest, we've got your answer because you could ride to a new event pretty much every day of the month, don't you think? We've probably got about 3,000 miles worth of events on this calendar right here. Yeah, at least, and that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg here, but why don't we roll through and uh, give the good listeners a few of the highlights that are going to be happening here in June. All right. Uh, starting on uh, Friday, June 1st, uh, Giant Loop, you meet up at the shop, and then everybody's going down to the uh, Dry Lake Bed Hot Spring to the southeast of the shop there. And now that's the Giant Loop shop down in Bend, Oregon. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, I, as I understand it, they have a new retail uh, showroom Store. Yeah, okay. in, the, in the shop, so I'm looking forward to getting down there and checking it out. Um, but anyway, so that ride's going to go on. you got to pay to do that ride, and you need to sign up in advance. So if you're hearing the show a couple of days before June 1st, uh, you still got time probably. I don't know if it's sold out or not. Right. Uh, Saturday, the 2nd of June, Rose City Motorcycle Club is hosting the one in, or the, the last final Western States 1000 event. We talked about that on the show last month. Um. It's probably got one of those early registration times, too, like 4 a.m. or something. <laughs> well, you do 1,000 miles in two days. I mean, that's uh, that's working it pretty good, so you're probably right, probably an early start. Yeah, so what you do is you book your chiropractor on Friday, <laughs> and then you book them again on Monday. Uh, Thursday the 7th, Moscow Moto will be having their unrally, which is out in the Alvord Desert yeah. of Southeast Oregon. Uh, and I was looking at the website and noticed that they're requesting donations for the rally. I don't know if that's to pay for the porta potties or what that all is all about. Okay. But, well, if you're going to go out there and ride, though, you know, supporting uh, the event, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So uh, get on the website, check it out. Uh, Saturday, June 9th, Omer will be at the Ridge, and then they'll be going to uh, the Portland. Uh, Raceways on the 16th of June. Well, we're definitely in the smack uh, dab of the season now, right? I don't know why. When I was going through this today, I didn't see Wimra pop up on the calendar. But No, we'll have to take a look at that. thought I had them all in there. Yeah. Maybe they're not racing this month. Uh, also on Saturday, the 9th is the Black Dog Dual Sport in Hood River, Oregon. Uh, so nobody really knows about this event because it's only been going on for like 35 years. So, um, it's, 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 it's a fun little event. They, uh, they wouldn't let me out last year. They wouldn't let me leave the fairground. Really? Yeah. What was the, uh, the reasoning for that? Well, because I was, I was just hanging with Cody. Okay. And, uh, not, I hadn't paid. Right. Because I wasn't going to do the actual event. I just went down to pre-ride the rally in the gorge. I gotcha. So I was staying with Cody in his RV. Okay. And um, they saw me come up, and I didn't have any registration stuff on my bike or my person. And they said, hey, 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 you can't leave. (laughs) Fair enough, yeah. So Cody, though, wouldn't let you get uh, two up on his bike or what? Uh, No. No. He didn't buy me a registration. (laughs) Oh, come on, man. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, then, okay, so if you go to the Black Dog Dual Sport on Saturday the 9th, you can throw your bike in a trailer, or you can ride it down the freeway on Sunday to the Edgefield Hotel, and we'll all be gathering there to kick off the Sasquatch Dual Sport GPS Adventure Tour. 
Man, what a great week that would make, huh? A couple of nice events, and you're out there exploring Oregon. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. So five days through uh, Oregon Cascades. That's awesome. Central Oregon Desert. Going to be fun. Yeah. You think you'll find Sasquatch this year? We always you find always him. find him. Yeah. We, there's never been a tour where we haven't found him. People are amazed. You know, that's why they keep coming back again and again. They can't believe they that this is the only it. way they could see Sasquatch is to absolutely. join us. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, this is a new event, Wednesday the 13th, and I think every second Wednesday of summer, uh, the PDX Moto Street Meet happening at CC Coffee Company, downtown Portland. So it looks like another bike night. Well, that's great, though. I mean, uh, the more bike nights, the better. And uh, they've been doing some cool stuff down there for a long time, the old uh, CC Coffee guys. So more power to them. Yeah, like they Open up a KTM shop next door. They right? did, yeah. yeah. Uh, Thursday the 14th is the beginning of a 10-day series, the LeMay Motorcycle Days. And that happens in Puyallup. And there's something going on every day. The The museum's open. Uh, you can check out all the bikes. There's events going on, especially over Father's Day weekend. Right. So uh, It looks like the Seattle Cossacks will be down there, too. And if you wanted to link to their website, you just go to soundwriter.com, click on calendar, find that date on June 14th, and there will be a link right there for you. Man, 10 days. That's fantastic. 10 days. Yeah, you used to do it for like five. Now they got up to 10. That's no good. I'm pushing for 20 next year. (laughs) Uh, Saturday the 16th is the Big Bad Bike Show. So I think you know... That if you go to that, you're going to see some really big, bad bikes. I would hope so. Down in Lacey, Washington, right? Uh, yeah. Um, also on Saturday the 16th, uh, I've got MotoFit Group doing their track day down at Oregon Raceway both Saturday and Sunday. You can sign up for either day or you can sign up for both days. Save a little bit of money when you do. Join in on the uh, potluck that they have on Saturday night. Uh, it's a good time for everybody. And it's a it's a great way, sort of at the beginning of the summer season here, to kind of hone in your riding skills, right, and really put those uh, put those to the test throughout the summer months. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there are other track days on our calendar. You can see them when you go on to Soundrider. Uh, let's see. Wednesday the twentieth is the Backfire Moto in Soto. I got to come up with one more rhyme. I was going to say, I think there's a jingle there, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the next morning, you have to get up and leave for the Tour Tech Rally in Leavenworth, and that'll go on from Thursday the 21st until Sunday. Yeah, it seems like just yesterday we were talking about the last one, man. I can't believe it's already June. Yeah. Uh, also on Thursday the 21st, you don't want to go to Tour Tech and you head down to uh, Oregon. And go to the Hodaka Days, yeah, the annual event down there. So uh, a little bit related to this, but do we know anything about the Hodaka Museum? I know last year we talked about that. Uh, have we seen any developments of I that? I haven't heard any yeah. developments. I mean, I know I stopped by there, and there's like people are buying bricks out in front of the okay. sidewalk, cool. and it's getting funded here and there, and there is some build-out going on in there. I Good. don't know if they have that open yet or not. Uh, that's something to keep an eye on, but that'd be kind of a, that's a nice little weekend destination ride, right? Go down and check that out if you're in uh, yeah. Washington. Athena, here. Oregon. Okay, yeah. All right, that's our calendar, and uh, there's more online at soundrider.com. Click on calendar. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some new gear. Support for the Soundrider Show is provided in part by... Rock straps. Tired of bungee cords that fray and break? You need to up your game with the number one tie-down among riders. Rock straps make it easy to get the right fit, no matter how large or small the load you're securing. Order a pair today from the Soundrider store at store.soundrider.com. Hi, I'm Carol, and I'm from Olympia, and one of my favorite pavement rides is Highway 47 from Klatskanai on south. Hello, this is Paul Rogers with Henshaw's Motorcycle Store here in Auburn, Washington, and you are listening to The Sound Rider Show.
Welcome back, fellow riders, to the Sound Riders Show. And uh, in lieu of an interview this month, we're going to get into uh, kind of talking about some of the new gear that has come across our radar here. Because um, there's some interesting stuff kind of coming out, some stuff that's definitely noteworthy, don't you think, Tom? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I spend a lot of time out in shops. Wish I could spend more, but sometimes i got to work. Right. <laughs> and so I've been looking at all this new stuff that's been coming out, and I get the pressure releases on new stuff. So yeah. I just figured we'd highlight a couple of things here. Uh, the first one I have on the list is Giant Loop has some dry bags that they call Rogue Bags. And they're kind of like, uh, everybody knows what an Ortley bag is. Sure. So they're very similar to that. And uh, they're built with the uh, heavy-duty, I don't know if it's PVC, trucker's tarp type material. Right. Uh, but the cool thing on these is at this time when they redesigned them, they put in some air purge valves. So, so you can you, really pack them down. Yeah, you can nice. put all your stuff in them. And then if you've got any loose space in there, you can open up an air purge valve and squish them down. And then close it, and they'll stay squished down. That's great. And then you got the roll top, right? So you're nice and waterproof. And mm-hmm. then, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's an innovation that uh, somebody should have come up with a long time ago because that really helps streamline your profile on the highway and on the trail. I know. I thought that too. I thought, yeah. how come I never seen this before? Right. So I wonder if, if you can reverse like a uh, a slime pump and pull the air out there the mechanically. The air out. Yeah, like that. What was that thing you could buy on TV where you could do your, your clothes and put them into your suitcase? Right, like the way? Ronco vacuum sealer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Popeil pocket That's right. reverse pump. There you go. Yeah. Come to the Sound Rider store next month. <laughs> Keep an eye out for that. But again, going back to the uh, the innovation that those guys continue to do down there. I mean, that's why... That's why they stay in business, you know. They're staying ahead of the curve, so that's great to see, man. I'd love to check these out. Yeah, and I see what some of their competitors do, and I'm sure it won't be long before they're all oh, putting sure. purge valves yeah, on their drive. Definitely. Bags, but... The big difference is, though, is the purge valve can actually hold, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, there's a new helmet that all the dealers are gaga about, if they're a showy dealers. Right, gaga of course, yeah. It's called the Neotech 3. It's a modular helmet. And it's got uh, all the ability inside the interior to install a Senna Bluetooth. Okay. And it's um, it's like super streamlined on the outside, so you don't have some big brick hanging off. Uh, it's kind of like the Nolans, where where it's just a very stealthy set of switches on the outside. Sure. So uh, so that's and and Showy really went to town on this to do eleven different colors. From XL to 2X. So uh, if you're looking for a new helmet and you think you might want, you don't have to get it with the intercom, but if you want to have an intercom, it's got a pretty nice intercom ability to it. Well, I think that uh, having an intercom, definitely once you once you go in that direction, it's tough to go back, right? Uh, no, because I did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had an intercom, and then I just gave up and stopped using it for a few years. I got gotcha. you. And, uh, and, and I tried to get it working the other day, and... The whole thing fell apart, so we're not getting that kind of intercom anymore. <laughs> but well, that wasn't a Santa. Maybe I was, or maybe you need to get one of these uh, showy Neotech threes, and then you can give it all a new shot, right? That's what I thought. You know, what about the noise canceling intercom? Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. That's a good point. That must be though. That must be out there, right? I don't know. I I tested. I have uh, some in ear. Earbuds from Bo- from Bose, sure. not from Bosch, because if they were Bosch, they'd, right. they'd write me in they'd a slide. They'd be thrusters, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, they do a pretty good job of canceling the noise yeah. outside, but not legal, because they're in your ear. So a lot of states won't let you wear something in your ear. Well, while you're motorcycling, too, huh? Because I've heard that with uh, passenger vehicles, but I didn't know that applied to motorcycles as well. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. The more you know. Except I'm, you know, I'm riding around with earplugs in my ear. Right, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. And it's like, what can you hear anyway when you're going 70 miles an hour without uh, earplugs in or headphones in? But if you're in the market for a medium-priced helmet, full face, Icon has re-upped their Alliance helmet with a new model called the Overlord. So um, they've been making the Alliance helmet for about mm, 14 years now. Yeah. Uh, it's right around in the two hundred and twenty-five dollar price range, and 
If you're going to the rally in the gorge, they gave us an XL Red. That's awesome. To use as a door prize. That's great. So we're it, looking forward to giving that to some lucky winner one night. And I think one of the highlights on there, too, for a medium-priced helmet is they, uh, they put some efforts into getting the face shield uh, a little more fog-free, right? I think they have uh, some technology in there. Uh, I would assume that could be the case. Yeah. I don't know. Does it have the... Um... I think the, the fog-free uh, Pro Shield. Okay. And then um, with the Pro Lock Shield locking system. So, uh, yeah, it looks like the visor, you know. So once you be... lock it, that means fog can't get in? Fog can't get in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm up for that. But Icon, again, you know, direct, uh, right down in Oregon. So out here making uh, new stuff. It's always great to see guys coming out with new products. Yeah. I don't think they're manufacturing it in Oregon. You're probably right, but they're headquartered in Oregon. Maybe in Sh- in Shing, Oregon. Right. <laughs> All right. So uh, so that's happening. Okay. A new book is out. It's called Victory Motorcycles, 1998 to 2017. Really nice coffee table book, and it covers the whole span of Victory Motorcycles. So uh, if you're a fan of the brand or you know somebody who is, you want to get them a nice coffee table book. I think it runs about 60 bucks U.S., Probably 160 Canadian. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I looked at this and I saw it 1998. I was like, man, that's not too long ago. And it's like, oh, wait. Yeah, there's 20 years of motorcycles there. Yeah. You know, just like that. And quite a, you know, actually quite an interesting story because, I mean, basically now that you can look back, wasn't that brand sort of utilized as the foot, as the step to go to Indian? Yeah kind of interesting definitely i think a transition there right so there may be some verbiage about that in the book um oh more helmet news uh harley davidson is coming with a line of helmets that are retro inspired so what does a retro inspired helmet look like it looks like a white bubble with some lines on it okay (laughs) and you know um this didn't appear to be anything new to me since I know that Bell Helmets has been doing a retro-inspired yeah. helmet for quite some time now. And these looked kind of similar, and I'm wondering if maybe the manufacturer is Bell. Oh, and they just rebadged it, you think? Huh? Maybe. Could be, yeah. yeah. Uh, Harley does that often, so. Well, I mean, this should get uh, people out there buying motorcycles, if anything, Will, right? Yeah, it will yeah. inspire more <laughs> motorcycles, and that's the goal. Um, this little company, Oxford, has really been going to town with some new products. Uh, they got a line of, well, they had a, a set of heated grips that they sold for years. Sure. It worked pretty good. And then they redesigned it, and they came out with, like, six different flavors. A retro, a cruiser, a sport, an adventure. All right. Um, I saw the, there's a demo that I saw up at both Skagit Power Sports and over at Seattle Cycle Center, and you can see the different models on it. Um, but you know, any time of year is a good time for heated grips, because you never know when you're going to wake up in the morning, and if you didn't bring your heated gear with you, at least you can flip the grips on. Very true. And it's, you know, even if it's warm out, the rain, man, can really suck away some heat from your hands. So having those heated grips can make a big difference. Yeah. Um, and speaking of intercoms, as we were talking about earlier, uh, Senna and Cardo have got uh, some new intercoms out this year. I don't remember the model numbers. It gets confusing after a while. So one of them's called a 30R and a 10S. No, 10S is an old one. But, but uh, anyways, there's lots of new intercoms on the market now. And um, many of them are will we'll talk to one another rather than... I'll only talk to my kind of intercom. Okay. So that's happening in there. You know, they're they're just sort of a universal Bluetooth pairing that they Makes can sense. do between yeah. them all. So, so. So that's that's what I know. You know yeah. Any, you got any new gear you well, want to talk about? You know, I was actually going to ask you about because um, I, you know, I mostly am a solo rider, but pre-intercom days, um, I know hand signals used to be kind of a big thing, right? Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, where? Where can people find hand signals for motorcyclists? These Go days? online. Yeah. Type in uh, motorcycle hand signals, yeah. and then hit images for your return, and watch out for bogus ones. 
Make sure you read through them all because some of them I've seen are kind of bogus. Is that like the middle finger? Is yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be like get out of my way right. or something, you know. So, so uh, there are some 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 real ones there, and there are some fake ones. I gotcha. But have, have you used those in the past? Because I mean, you've done tours and that kind of stuff. Have you had success with uh, hand signals, or do you find it to be? Yeah, I usually I use the right hand and I wave the whole group over. Gotcha. Or I use the left hand, and I wave the whole group over, and then I walk back to the to the second guy back, and I go, "Dude, you ride too slow. Get in the back." That's how I do the hand signals. I gotcha. Yeah, that's. Uh... I, I, I've never spent the time to learn all the different ones. You know, there's one where where there's like there's different ways of doing the gas. Right. Like we we need to stop for gas. One of them is to take your thumb. And kind of shove it up near your mouth and tilt your head back, and it makes you look like you're drinking something. Sure. That's supposed to be a hand signal that's, for getting gas. That seems dangerous. Or the other one that I've seen people do is they point at the gas tank. Okay. I'd so. probably go for that before the guzzling <laughs> gas one, I think. But. And then the other one was one, one where the guy pulled over, and, and, and then we pulled over and we said, oh, is everything okay? He says, no, I'm out of gas. <laughs> That's the uh, most efficient way to let your team know that you're out of gas is to verbally do it, I guess. But no, I was always just I was always curious because I know there's I've seen some discussion here and there, um, and I'm not really a group rider, but I didn't know if those things were actually effective or if you should just you know get the uh, intercoms and not worry about it. Yeah, or just don't worry about doing hand signals. Yeah, everybody ride your own ride. Yeah, I think that's probably the best suggestion. <laughs> My my deal is if I'm in the middle of a group and I need to pull over, I just pull yeah to pull over. over anyway. Yeah, there's no hand signaling, yeah. right? If you got a flat tire and it's shredding in front of you and you're trying to give the uh, peace sign or something like that, so all right, um, let's take a little break. We got some tips and tricks when we get back. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Valentine Motorworks, Seattle's independent service shop specializing in BMW motorcycles and beyond. Call or visit them to discuss your next service or restoration project soon. Find them online at valentinemotorworks.com. Hi, this is Chris from uh, Seattle. I live in the Maple Leaf District, and I ride a uh, R1200GS Adventure, and I love it. It's my favorite bike, and my favorite ride is anything uh, Sasquatch. Hi, this is Whitney Caberly from Dirt Bike Safety Training, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. got that formula worked out for the potato fuel yet you know i am i'm very very close i don't know if you, you notice it smell like french fries in here right yeah yeah <laughs> i thought that was, had something to do with what you ate for lunch earlier no it was i've been working in uh in the potato fields in the garage and in the laboratory and i'm getting close I'm you know i think that. if you spray a little bit of that sc1 silicone product into the potatoes yeah then that'll actually give them the spark they need you know, I can't see anything wrong with uh, taking a spark to a silicone lace potato. I can't see how that could uh, cause any problems. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Hey, um, it's the end of the show, but we don't like to leave without giving you a couple of tips. What's your tip, Derek? Yeah, so uh, my tip this month is I kind of got on this, uh, this jag of uh, watching gear deterioration videos on YouTube. And kind of looking at how gear ages over time, also how it holds up to things like, you know, simulated uh, road rash and impact tests for helmets and all this kind of stuff. And you know what? There's a lot of good do-it-yourself gear testing videos out there, and you can learn a lot about how much durability your equipment has. It also makes you think, you know, hey, is this helmet worth you know if i got a hundred dollar helmet is that going to have the same sort of protection as say a five hundred dollar helmet or how about these 
Kevlar laced riding jeans versus regular jeans. So, what are the keywords that you use to search for these videos? You know, so I uh, had these starting to pop up in my feed, but like uh, just motorcycle jean tests or motorcycle helmet tests, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And uh, there's some really cool stuff out there, man. And it make it really makes you wonder the disparity in some of the quality of gear. And when you get out there and you start riding, you think about, hey, if you do have the unfortunate situation of uh, having an accident. What do you want to be? Uh, what do you want to be wearing? You know, what do you want to be uh, protection-wise? What do you want to have on? And this is, I think, provides some good insight to that. So my tip is to check some of these videos out because you might learn a few things about the gear that you currently have, and it might inspire you to maybe upgrade some of those pieces. Huh. interesting tip. Yeah. Hmm. I'll have to look at some of those. Yeah, check it out, man. There's some cool stuff out there. I remember when I rode um, when I wrote packing light, packing right way back in '08. Uh, I had a statistic from uh, was it uh, Vance and Leathers mm. about uh, about at, at what weight a rider has to be, or uh, you know based on a, on a, on a same weight type scenario. Sure, uh, how far they could slide on pavement before their blue jeans would rip through, which right. was eighty feet or eight feet. Excuse me. Yeah, not a lot <laughs> of. Leeway there. No, and then and then in in leather textile it was like forty, in leather it was like sixty five or seventy. Right, that's still the conventional wisdom that leather is the most durable in that situation. Yep. So so that yeah, I'm gonna have to go look at some of those. Yeah, check it out. And also, so there's they had just a kind of a sidebar here, but some really interesting uh, stuff out there for non DOT helmets versus DOT helmets Ooh. and Snell approved. Mm-hmm. And you know some of these cheap helmets, man, were just. It's just not uh, not holding up to the impact. Well, you know, I was teaching um, the moto packing class the other day up yeah, at Cascade. That's right. And uh, the guy, I asked everybody, I said, does everybody in the room have a full-face helmet? And all the hands went up, and I said, okay, well, we don't really need to talk about helmets too much. So. Sure. And then one guy put his hand up and goes, well, I have, I have both. I have a half-shell and a full-face. And I said, well, you know, the, the thing to do with a half-shell is bring it in the kitchen Turn it upside down, put some milk in it, put some cereal in it, and enjoy your cereal. Yeah, I like to do that while touring, just around the fire, you know? Have your breakfast right out of there. But, well, you know, it's half shells are definitely, you know, a a little more prominent in certain certain aspects of motorcycling, certain types of motorcycling. But, man, I tell you what, you look at some of these face shield testings, and it really, you know, you're just like, hey, okay, I would want some protection in front of the old eyeballs there should Mm -hmm. a a rock come up or a screw or who knows what man i mean and then some people say well i wear the glasses or the goggles so i'll be okay and it's like well what are you gonna do when you get a june bug into your cheek and you can't get it out that i can't tell you how many times i've been hitting the face shield by like a wasp or a bee Uh uh-huh you know and I, that's that's enough encouragement for me to keep that thing closed. The the bees they know me. They they don't go for the face shield. They just immediately look for the opening in my collar yeah. where they can slide down into my neck. I've had that too. One up the sleeve once even too, which is kind Ooh. of my holy grail there. I got the one one day um, up in the gauntlet of my glove. Yeah. And when I pulled the glove off, the wafts landed on my top of my hand. Ooh, not good, that man. Was- uh, ugly four or five days. Yeah, I bet. All right. Well, my tip is, um, you know, it's you see a lot of people walking around with their cell phone in their back pocket sure. or their wallet in their back pocket. And when you do that, what happens when you sit down is you, you want to compensate. Your back wants to compensate to try to stay straight. And the next thing that happens after that is what we know as sciatica. Right. So if you're having back trouble, um, find another place to store your wallet. Front pocket works okay or somewhere in your jacket or something like that. And uh, it takes a while after you stop doing that for it to actually feel better because for a while there your back's still so used to sitting crocked that now you're kind of straightening it up. Um and uh, older people, just go get a chiropractor and get that stuff worked out. <laughs> or, you know, if you're, if you're really good, you get twice as much money and carry two wallets. Hey. Right. <laughs> and then and you'd be up. an inch higher on you your seat. Th- that's exactly right. Yeah. Wow. That's, that, see, there's a bonus tip bonus from tip. Derek. Yeah. Make twice as much money and you'll be all set. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the bonus tip. All right. Well, that's our show for June. And... Uh, 
We hope you have a good time out there riding. And we will see you back here on the July show. On the Sound Rider Show. See you next month. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on the Sound Rider Show.